He was a special prosecutor charged with investigating a sitting president. But as he closed in, he came under fierce attack. His investigation was repeatedly denounced by the president's allies as a partisan witch hunt that had roamed far afield from its original mandate and should be shut down as quickly as possible. No, we're not talking about Robert Mueller, the Justice Department's special counsel conducting the Russia investigation. We're talking about Ken Starr, the independent counsel who was assigned to investigate Bill Clinton's Whitewater real estate deal, only to hit paydirt of a sort when he discovered the existence of Monica Lewinsky. He's our special guest on today's episode of Skullduggery. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia yes no is a it? ruse. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. So, uh, Dan, uh, Mueller's investigation seems to be gaining traction even when he's not doing all that much. And this week is a classic example, the bombshell report from The New York Times that uh, Trump's then lawyer – John Dowd was floating the idea of pardons for Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort in the middle of the investigation last year. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, this is, um, you know, there has been some reporting that uh, Trump um, had asked about pardons. Uh, he's been, you know, talked right. to his lawyers about it. But this is kind of stunning um, and, um, you know, raises all sorts of questions about how it uh, could actually fit into Mueller's investigation itself. I mean, right. obstruction. Exactly. Look, I mean, if you float the idea of pardoning a key witness, somebody who Mueller wants to hear uh, the unvarnished truth from, um, you are arguably impeding with um, uh Mueller's investigation. It does uh, put a new twist on the story we broke last year. Uh, Just about this time, uh, Flynn is having dinner uh, uh, just about this time a year ago, March of last year, having dinner with uh, some close friends and then tells them afterwards he'd just gotten a message from uh, President Trump telling him to, quote, stay strong. those words stay strong um, now, given the uh, the pardon right, idea the, um, the, has, what's impl- has new meaning. What's imp- maybe implied in that message from Trump is stay strong and we'll take care of you. Now, and it, 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 this is just quickly one other thing I want to say quickly, which is that, you know, if this uh, should become part of uh, Mueller's obstruction investigation, raises the kind of intriguing possibility that John Dowd becomes a witness in this case. And of course, Mueller has, you know, he's been pretty aggressive when it comes to sort of the attorney-client privilege um, and uh, and exceptions uh, to that uh, uh, as pr- was, uh, privilege. As was, uh, I should point out, uh, our guest today, Ken Starr, when he had uh, a similar job That's as right. independent counsel. Just a couple of other uh, stories worth mentioning. Uh, you know, uh, I say... Uh, 
Mueller didn't file any new charges this week, but there was this uh, fascinating filing in uh, in the case of a um, of one of his uh, targets, Alex Vanderswan, the uh, Dutch lawyer uh, for the big law firm Skadden Arps that pled guilty, who pled guilty uh, uh, a month or so ago, and uh, in it. Um, Mueller's people uh, lay out the evidence against what about what Vanders one lied about, including his conversations with Rick Gates, Paul Manafort's deputy, now a cooperating witness uh, in which uh, Gates relayed to him. He was having conversations uh, throughout the campaign in the closing weeks of the campaign with a guy, Konstantin Kalimnik. Uh, the office manager for Paul Manafort in Kiev, a Russian who, according to the Mueller filing, FBI uh, invest, uh, special agents uh, assess that person A, that's Kalimnik, has ties to a Russian intelligence service and had such ties in 2016. So think about this. Manafort's long gone from the campaign in October 2016. Gates is still there. He's still a top campaign official, and he is in active communication with a guy who the FBI believes is a Russian intelligence agent. This may be a bigger deal uh, than the the pardon story, ultimately, because it goes to the heart, uh, in many ways, of what uh, Mueller is looking at. Remember, this started out started out as a counterintelligence investigation, and just just think about it. I mean. It just ha- keeps happening over and over again from, you know, the, the sort of uh, lowest aides uh, in, in, the, the, in the Trump campaign all the way down the, the, the you know, the food chain uh, to the high command. Right. Uh, people are having contact with Russians, uh, cutouts, uh, <laughs> operatives. You know, it's just I mean, it's, Does, it's yeah. as if the campaign was sort of yeah. like just – taken over. And that's, of course, yeah. what in some ways the theory of the case is, at least from a counterintelligence perspective. Well, um, as you know, in um, uh, in Russian roulette, um, what, what? Our, yeah, Russian that, roulette, that's this book, uh, which I co-wrote with David Corn that just happens to be number one on the New York <laughs> Times bestseller list at the moment. Not Des- that I'm doing a plug or anything. Deservedly um, so. uh, uh, we quote um, uh, Victoria Newland, who was assistant secretary for European affairs, when she learns that Manafort uh, is joined the Trump campaign. Her immediate reaction is uh, Manafort. He's been a Russian stooge for 15 years. Uh, when she said that, I thought that was uh, seemed a bit harsh. She might have been engaging in hyperbole. But this guy Kalimnik, who the FBI believes was a uh, had ties to the Russian uh, military intelligence agency, was Manafort's office manager. He was his key deputy in Kiev the entire time that Manafort was working for the pro-Russia political party in yeah. Ukraine. And two two oh. things. When when the when the FBI says ties to, you know, they don't mean like some like attenuated connection to. What they're talking about is this is someone who has a relationship with uh, Russian intelligence, has worked for them in some capacity, uh, uh, spies for them, or has spied for them, right? Right. Um, and the second thing here is, I think this is devastating for Manafort, who you know has said in the past, you know, how, how are we supposed to know uh, that these people are are right. you know Russian operatives? What they don't wear badges? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the and- fact is. Yeah. We we know that he did know. You well, know, we, what we have Gates in Mueller's knew and- filing is Gates Manafort's deputy 
uh, is told, uh, Vanderswan, that person A, that's Kalimnik, was a former Russian intelligence officer with the GREU. So um, uh, Gates clearly knew about uh, Kalimnik's uh, ties. A uh, couple of other quick stories before we get to Ken Starr. Uh, the, um, what I think is a, is a wild card out there, judge, uh, federal judge in Maryland, gave a green light for the emoluments lawsuit uh, brought by the attorneys general in Maryland and D.C. to proceed. This is the case that says that Trump, by maintaining his interest in the Trump organization, is violating the constitutional clause that forbids uh, payments from foreign governments. Um, I think this is a wild card. It's a big one because... If we get to the point where the Democrats take back control of the House in November, which does seem like a very real possibility at this point, um, impeachment is going to be right up there at the top of the agenda. And I always believe that the uh, uh, if if the Democrats go that route and there's good reason to think they will, uh, they're going to want it to be about more than Russia. And emoluments, uh, uh, the violation of the emoluments clause of the Constitution is uh, is very likely to be one of the articles of impeachment. Right. And having they, they, a federal right. judge saying there's grounds right. to do this. They don't want to hang it all on this Russia story. They right. want to paint a picture of a corrupt presidency. Exactly. And this is another way to get to it. Now, we should say that I, I think this case was narrowed to just – the Trump International Hotel in Washington. It's a little right. bit less broad than it had originally been brought. Um, and also there are conflicting decisions by federal judges. Uh, but this allows it to go forward. Right. And that gives the Democrats probably what they need. Right. And also the plaintiffs, uh, the opportunity potentially to take discovery, discovery and get records on the Trump organization. And then finally, we can't we would be remiss if we did not mention Stormy Daniels. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if we did not mention Stormy Daniels in every one of these podcasts, right. we would be remiss. Especially when we're about to have Ken Starr as our guest, right? Because, well, what's the connection? <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Let's ask him. Good idea. Um, so why don't we get right to it? Judge Starr, thanks for uh, joining us um, on Skullduggery. Um, you are probably um, uniquely qualified uh, to offer perspective on Robert Mueller's investigation into um, uh, into President Trump and the Trump campaign and its ties to Russia. So I want to just start out with the uh, uh, big news this week that the uh, president's lawyer, John Dowd, was floating the idea of pardons to former uh, uh, to key witnesses in Mueller's investigation. Um, does this raise troubling questions for you about uh, potential obstruction of justice here? Well, we would certainly need to know more. Obviously, the president of the United States under our Constitution has a broad and virtually unreviewable power to uh, pardon. Uh, the issue of uh, corrupt intent would be triggered by uh, an effort, if there was one, uh, to uh, influence uh, testimony, uh, as opposed to, uh, I feel sympathetic, I feel sorry for their families, I know these people, etc. I think they're good, honorable people, or whatever. So, uh, intent, of course, uh, is so fact-dependent that you have to really dig in. 
uh, to understand uh, the, the, the full context. So it's a certainly a legitimate uh, question. I don't think people should be jumping to conclusions, which is what has been happening for the last, uh, last year. A lot of conclusion jumping, but so what? That goes with the territory. Caution and find out the facts. People need to know, and that's, of course, Bob Mueller's job to find out all the facts. Okay, stipulating that this is um, hypothetical. Uh, if if uh, the president's in, intent here is he believes that this uh, investigation is a uh, you know is unfair. It's unfair to him. It's unfair to other people who've been caught up to, uh, caught up in it, uh, and uh, and it's a distraction. And he needs to get on with his job uh, uh, of doing the work of the American people. Um, as opposed to trying to influence testimony. Uh, would that get him off the hook in terms of obstruction, in terms of in, in, intent, if that was his intent? Yes, under that hypothetical, uh, I don't uh, think <clears throat> that th that uh, is in the uh, outer perimeter of what constitutes uh, obstruction. You know, the Supreme Court has been pretty, uh, what shall I say, critical of Justice Department prosecutors who as prosecutors tend to do, stretch the law. Uh, and if Congress wants to change the law uh, and make corrupt intent easier to prove, then the Supreme Court in cases such as Arthur Anderson versus the United States have said that let Congress do that. But Congress, uh, I, I don't think, is eager in this day and time, and I'm leaving President Trump entirely aside, to be expanding the ambit of the federal criminal laws. And I think that's good. I think the baseline is liberty. And in this respect, the baseline is the president has a very capacious power under uh, Article 2, unless Congress uh, sort of hems him in. I believe that we should have been relying much more on congressional oversight and less on special counsel. And, and here's why I think that. We still don't know some of the key aspects of, quote, collusion. We do know, thanks to the indictment of the Russian individuals and the three Russian companies, a whole lot, at least as alleged in the indictment. It's a very powerful uh, indictment. And it's a terrible, I think, indictment of Vladimir Putin and the oligarchs, uh, who are really a bunch of thugs. Uh, they should be locked up. They should be brought to justice, including Vladimir Putin. But that's uh, ultimately, obviously, a geopolitical uh, issue, but we still don't know. Why? Because in this country, for whatever reason, uh, we've done it for a long time. Uh, I can attest to that. We rely on special counsels and independent counsels, and then special counsels and independent counsels take a long time to do their work because they need to do it thoroughly. And Bob Mueller is a professional guy who I admire, who's going to do a very thorough job. In the meantime, we're still behind the veil of ignorance as the American people as to whether there was collusion or not. Based on what you've seen, do you think there's a, I mean, is was there a credible predicate uh, to actually uh, start this uh, 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 special counsel investigation? From what I've seen, no. But I, of course, don't know what Rod Rosenstein knew when he made that decision back uh, in May. And I'm a great admirer of Rod Rosenstein. I know he's come under a lot of criticism. He used to work for he, In fact, he used to work for you. So you know him well. I know him well. He's an honorable guy. He's upright, total integrity. Uh, and so I'm going to 
especially with someone who I know, like Bob Mueller. I served alongside Bob Mueller in the Justice Department of President Bush 41. I served alongside Rod Rosenstein when he was a public integrity uh, section lawyer at DOJ on assignment to the Whitewater investigation. He was, by the way, a pivotal member of the trial team. I mean, he was on his feet in court. He did a great job as we successfully prosecuted then Governor Jim Guy Tucker of Arkansas and the president of the first then first ladies business partners, James and Susan McDougall. I mean, Judge, I, I actually, I mean, I remember covering that trial and seeing Rod out there uh, as a junior member of your team. Um, and you're right. You successfully prosecuted um, uh, the McDougals, including Susan McDougal. And just one more beat on the on the pardon issue. Of course, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you 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 prosecuted, convicted Susan McDougal. She went to jail. She refused to cooperate in your uh, investigation. And then when it was uh, on his last day in office, uh, President Clinton pardoned Susan McDougal, um, along with a number of others who you had successfully prosecuted. Um, So just uh, in light of that experience, if you had known that Bill Clinton or his lawyer, David Kendall, for instance, was floating the idea of a pardon to Susan McDougal while your investigation was going on. Wouldn't that have raised the question of uh, a potential obstruction of justice for you? And wouldn't that have been something you would would have wanted to vigorously investigate? Well, it certainly raises a question. I think I said that at the outset. It raises a question of what is uh, the intent uh, and is the intent uh, corrupt uh, intent. Uh, uh, As I recall, President Clinton uh, believed uh, by his public statement in the innocence of a number of people who either pled guilty or or convicted. Now, by the way, he he chose not to, for whatever reason, to pardon uh, uh, Jim Guy Tucker, uh, Jim McDougall, uh, was deceased by the time of the president making that decision. But he also did not pardon a Webster Hubble, who he was close to as associate attorney general of the United States. So there was a, a little bit of, what shall I say, selection, picking and choosing and so forth, certain favorites. And Susan McDougall became one of President Clinton's uh, favorites uh, for whatever reason. But again, I come back to uh, basic principles. Uh, I don't uh, like the idea of questioning the president and his exercise, and I never did, his president, his exercise of the pardon power, uh, as long as there's not an issue of corruption in the sense of, and and we've seen this in uh, American history, uh, especially with governors, bribes and that sort of thing. I mean, that's corruption paying for uh, a, 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 a corrupt kind of thing. Uh, and let's just say hypothetically, hey, I will pardon your spouse if he or she will give to my favorite charity. Well, that's to me smack in the middle of truly uh, corruption. Um Judge, I'm sure you read the president's tweets like everybody else, and um, uh, he has made no secret of what he uh, thinks about Bob Mueller's investigation. Here's one from March 17th. The Mueller probe should never have been started and that there was no collusion and there was no crime. It was based on fraudulent activities and a fake dossier paid for by crooked Hillary uh, 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 witch hunt. 
That's uh, uh, on March 17th, uh, a couple days later, a total witch hunt with massive conflicts of interest. Um, as you read uh, what uh, President Trump tweets, as you hear what many of his allies are saying about Mueller, suggesting that he is corrupt, that his uh, uh, that his investigation is completely flawed. Um, do you get a feeling of deja vu? Does it remind you of your own experience as independent counsel? <laughs> Uh, well, I guess uh, President Trump is a bit more d direct than President Clinton was, but President Clinton uh, used uh, uh, wittingly or otherwise uh, his very uh, able uh, friends in the media to engage in pretty vicious uh, uh, attacks. Uh, I do recall vicious attacks on you. Yeah. Uh, I do recall one James uh, Carville suggesting that I might find myself uh, with new kneecaps or something like that, uh, which was not very friendly. I, I, I've not seen President Trump and his allies suggesting that we kind of take someone out in a dark alley somewhere. Uh, but I wish the president would not do that. Uh, I've said that. Uh, I've also said he shouldn't be criticizing people like the Attorney General of the United States. Uh, I, I wrote an op-ed piece, uh, gosh, going on a year ago in the, the Washington Post, and I was pretty direct. I said, Mr. President, cut it out. Uh, I see he's not listened to me, but, but join the club. No, I think it's bad for the president as uh, the person who uh, takes the oath of office to faithfully execute the laws of the United States to do what the president has done. I, I, I think it's very, I think very bad form. Is it bad form, but is it a form of obstruction itself to delegitimize, to, to have a campaign to delegitimize the uh, special counsel who is investigating your campaign in this case, or the president's campaign? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Again, I'm reluctant to say that someone, let's just say that President Clinton, to go back to that and now come back to President Trump, just thought the whole thing was a, a vast right-wing conspiracy. I think he's got every right to be saying that. And the First Lady had every right to be saying it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. It's a free country. Uh, and he's exercising his authority and his judgment and so forth. And you let the American people make uh, their, their own decision as to whether it is or, or isn't. But I do think that it is better, and it's one of the, the evils of the independent counsel statute. I think it's unfortunate that the independent counsel structure was such that the independent counsel, whoever it was, it happened to be me, but before me it was Lawrence Walsh, getting attacked in, in Iran-Contra, to kind of be out there all by himself or herself. Uh, and I'm sounding a little bit whiny, but I'm making a structural point. The structural point is Rod Rosenstein is there to protect Bob Mueller, to protect his integrity. And that's not the situation under the independent counsel law. The, uh, the attorney general was not there structurally to protect the integrity investigation or if she, I'm talking about Janet Reno, uh, who's deceased now, and I don't want to speak ill of anyone, but if she felt that the investigation during the Lewinsky phase was out of control, et cetera, she should have fired me, uh, but she did not. Uh, I wish she would have. I would have been at Pepperdine University a year <laughs> earlier. <laughs> but 
bad things happen to, I think I'm a pretty nice guy. Bad things happen to nice guys. Now, whatever President Trump tweets, he has a huge obstacle, an enormous shield protecting Bob Mueller until we have, heaven forbid, another version of the Saturday Night Massacre. Yeah, and that is. But, but he can a- fire. But but Trump could fire Rosenstein at any time. So yeah, how much protection is that? That's huge because he's already been warned. He being the president, uh, you will uh, face. I know it's come from Lindsey Graham. Uh, I, I've read a quote from him. I didn't see the quote, but I, I've read the quote. And I've heard it from uh, Trey Gowdy in the House of Representatives. I know Trey's uh, leaving the House, but he's still a member of the House of Representatives who has, uh, and I know Benghazi had its critics and so forth, but Trey Gowdy is a former prosecutor. So is Lindsey Graham. They are both totally honest. They have total integrity. And they've said, you better not go there. I but- mean, they've warned but Judge Starr, uh, you you yeah. actually alluded to your op-ed piece uh, 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 from a, a while back, in which yeah. you make the argument that um, you know Congress uh, can't. It would be a violation of the separation of powers for Congress uh, to pass legislation to, to insulate uh, the special counsel. And you actually um, uh, cite uh, a pretty interesting um, and unlikely person uh, who who kind of came up with the best. Uh, path to protect the special counsel's independence. Um, uh, Robert Bork, T- tell us that story because it's pretty oh, interesting. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, example of how to do it right rather than Congress trying to come up with another, well, you know, well meaning but ill designed uh, and I think unconstitutional contrivance, which is we're going to protect the independence of of Bob Mueller. So Bob Bork, uh, in appointing Archibald, uh, excuse me, Leon Jaworski during Watergate to replace uh, Archibald Cox. The, but, and remember, the- this was after the Saturday night. This was part of the Saturday night massacre when uh, the attorney general and then the deputy attorney general refused to do the president's bidding and fire Archibald Cox. They resigned instead. Yeah, and, and I heard it from Bob Bork himself, with whom I served on the Court of Appeals and who I greatly uh, admired. Uh, Bob told me that uh, when the three of them, the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, and the Solicitor General sat together, Bob didn't want to pull the trigger either, but he was encouraged by both uh, Elliot Richardson, a very distinguished Attorney General, Bill Rufflesshaus, very distinguished Deputy Attorney General, said, Bob, for the sake of the department, uh, you need, and I'm paraphrasing what Bob said, he said it more elegantly, you need to pull the trigger. But in, in any event, after pulling the trigger, thus the Saturday Night Massacre, part of our history, and that, of course, gave rise to the Independent Council Law a few years later. But what Bob proceeded to do as the acting Attorney General is to get us an agreement from President Nixon that before Leon Jaworski was fired, and of course that never happened, there would in fact be a consultation with the leadership of Congress of both parties, and that there would, and he used the term consensus that Leon Jaworski should be discharged, you know, for good cause or for whatever. And what I said with Neil Kachow, my a much admired friend who served as acting solicitor general during the, uh, he was deputy solicitor general 
uh, during the Obama administration, served with great distinction. What we said in the New York Times op-ed piece is, let's look to that example from history, march down memory lane, and that's a really, what should I say, thoughtful way of protecting and insulating Bob Mueller. And that was done by regulation, which Rod Rosenstein could do. But what what makes you think that President Trump would go along with such an arrangement? Clearly, he, he is a president who believes that he should be able to dictate to the Justice Department what it does, who it investigates, who it does not investigate. He's he's shown no compunction about uh, tweeting uh, uh, his uh, his preferences. Um, why would he go if he's going to fire Rosenstein, uh, which he could well do? Why would he go along with a regulation that would then tie his hands? The art of the deal. Uh, he would make a deal. Uh, a deal with who? Down, uh, with the members of Congress. With uh, if if you get the members of Congress, and I'm saying this is hypothetical. Look, I'm not saying this happens in the real world, but you've asked a, a very interesting question from history, and it did happen with Richard Nixon. But if you got, I'm speaking hypothetically, but if you got uh, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi to say, you know, we've had it with this. The four of us have just had it with this. Mr. President, and they do it privately, you don't have to hold a press conference or anything else. Here is the Bob Bork solution. Bob Bork was a great man. My view, he should have gone on the Supreme Court of the United States, but that's my view. So Nancy Pelosi's not going to agree with that. Chuck Schumer's not going to agree with that. It doesn't matter whether they agree with it. said, this was a very wise move by someone who understood our constitutional architecture, who taught constitutional law at Yale with the iconic Alexander Bickle. They wouldn't agree on the, what shall I say, the shape of the table or whatever, but they agreed on how sacred from a secular perspective our constitution is, including our constitutional structure. And Bob, as a master of our constitutional structure, came up, and it was a Bob Bork idea. He came up with this idea and he sold it to Richard Nixon. Now, can uh, Rod Rosenstein do that with this president? I doubt it, but I think that the, uh, the, 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 and by the way, I think Paul Ryan, I'm not sure what Senator McConnell has said, but I think Paul Ryan has expressed and re-expressed confidence in Bob Mueller, et cetera. He hasn't been quite as, uh, what shall I say, graphic as Lindsey Graham, be the beginning of the end of his presidency and so forth, were President Trump to uh, cross the super bright red line and try to fire Rosenstein uh, and, and through uh, Rod uh, Mueller. And I think, by the way, knowing Rod as I do, that he would resign rather than fire Bob, unless you know, Bob's done something. I don't know. I don't know what Bob has done. So, so Judge... Uh, Bob Mueller. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Bob Mueller, yeah. Right. So I, I, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the constitutional structure a moment ago. So I got to ask you a deceptively yeah. uh, simple uh, legal question. And I'm asking for your view... Uh, yep. which you had to study uh, when you were an independent counsel and which we know Bob Mueller, who's got a, team, a big team of appellate lawyers on his team, is clearly having to look at as well. Um, does Mueller have the constitutional authority to indict Donald Trump, a sitting president? Yes, he does, in my view. Uh, <clears throat> and I think Clinton versus Jones, ironically, involving the civil immunity, 
of the president, uh, which decided nine to nothing. And it certainly has its critics that it had it been. But Clinton versus Jones is the law of the land, which is the president is of the United States is not above the law. Now, that having been said, there's a difference. As independent counsel, my obligation was to follow under the law Justice Department policy to the fullest extent practicable. OK, now, uh, Bob Mueller is, of course, an officer of the Justice Department. He is obligated to follow Justice Department policy. And Justice Department policy is that the president cannot be indicted. And so he has to follow that guidance. But uh, the assumption is he will write some some kind of a report uh, that will uh, go to Rod Rosenstein. Uh, Rod Rosenstein then will decide what to do with that report, whether or not to make it public, send it up to Congress. Mueller uh, could... Uh, say, and I don't, you know, obviously we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because you don't know whether he has a case or will have a case, a criminal case against the president. But Mueller would, would if Mueller did, uh, would it, would he, do you think it would be uh, uh, the, the right course of action for him to say, while I am obliged to follow uh, Justice Department guidance and uh, the Justice Department opinion that says that you cannot indict a sitting president, uh, if I could, um, uh, uh, th- 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 this would be the case, um, and just lay that out. I would be concerned about that uh, because a prosecutor's duty uh, is not to say, I wish I could indict someone, but I'm not going to. Uh, I think that's an abuse of power. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, you didn't ask, but I think that Director Comey stepped across uh, the line uh, by arrogating unto himself that kind of authority as the uh, as the FBI director. Now, he'd been the deputy attorney general of the United States, so I can understand, I'm sure, that he thought long and hard about stepping across the line and essentially becoming a prosecutor. But prosecutors have to be careful with their authority, with their with their power. And I know, look who's talking. It's That's Ken Starr. But that's the way I've always felt. Uh, and uh, I, I think that would be across uh, the line to say I, I wanted to indict X, but uh, but 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 I couldn't. I think well, that's you, now you wrote a, a very robust report, uh, the Star Report, um, as it's been enshrined in history, that got sent up to Congress and then very quickly uh, Congress released it, um, and you laid out um, the impeachment case essentially against uh, Bill Clinton. And uh, and you drew uh, legal conclusions. Um, it was a fairly aggressive uh, piece of advocacy, but I think under the ethics and government uh, uh, law that you were you were to some extent required to do that. Um, I'm wondering what kind of a report you think um, Mueller uh, should write and where the lines are, because there is a continuum here. I mean, you can you can be a traditional prosecutor who just indicts or doesn't indict and, and doesn't say anything. You could you can send up a report like yours. You could be somewhere in the middle. What do you think he's likely to do? And and based on the law under which or the regulations uh, under which he was appointed, what do you think he should do in terms of uh, a report? Well, I think that's an ultimate judgment call for uh, Rod Rosenstein as the acting attorney general of the United States. I think the regulations under which and I think those are very strong and good regulations 
promulgated originally by Attorney General Janet Reno. And they've, I think, stood the test of time, and they're standing the test of time uh, now. And under those regulations, I think there's some fluidity and flexibility on the report side, but I think instead of the regulations, we also bring in then the traditions of the Department of Justice, which are very strong, that you don't write reports. Uh, Judge, uh, as you know, the porn star Stormy Daniels came forward on 60 Minutes the other day uh, to said uh, to say she did indeed have uh, sexual relations with Donald Trump uh, more than a decade ago, and that in late October 2016, uh, Michael Cohen, one of the president's longtime friends and, and lawyers, uh, paid her $130,000 in hush money not to talk about it. Given that this was in the closing days of the presidential election and the sums paid to Daniels could arguably have been an illegal campaign contribution, should Robert Mueller investigate this? I don't know that Mueller uh, should. Uh, that's a very interesting question. But I do think that there are uh, difficult and serious questions that have been raised by what we know or what, what has been reported, I should say. Uh, and I'm going with, with what has been uh, reported. Well, Michael Cohen has confirmed he did indeed facilitate a $130,000 payment. Uh, yeah. and, and as I say, that's a, that's, a, that's a serious question. Now, did the president know? Did he authorize? All those sorts of things have to, have to be uh, sorted out. But remember, Bob Mueller was appointed uh, to uh, investigate whether there was collusion and this obviously is way far removed. I'm not saying it's not a serious matter, but it's way far removed from what the special counsel was authorized to do. Now, that doesn't but, prevent... But isn't there, isn't there a parallel here with Monica Lewinsky? I mean, you were uh, named to investigate the Whitewater business deal, and then you stumble across, or you come across, <laughs> the uh, Lewinsky allegations. And of course and you, you did chose go... chose to investigate. Yeah. I mean, and you did go to the Justice Department and ask to have your mandate expanded, and we should... I think we would presume if Mueller did this, he would do the same thing. He's a cautious guy. Right. Exactly. So in light of all this having not, as far as I know, emerged out of the Mueller investigation, but out of but, uh, you know, investigative reporting and, and, and the civil squabble uh, with respect to uh, Stormy Daniels, et cetera, that uh, this becomes an issue then for Rod Rosenstein to say, does it need to be investigated uh, under the regulations? And is Mueller the right one to do it? And Rod might very well, Rod Rosenstein might very well say, you know, you need to stick to the issue and dead gummit, let's get through with this issue of collusion. You've indicted uh, Paul Manafort. You've got the cooperation of Rick Gates. You've presumably got the cooperation of these other folks who've pled guilty and so forth. You stick to that and let's now appoint, you know, Mary Rowe as special counsel. So, I'm sorry, I who's Mary Rowe? I think that's a fictional person. Oh, okay. I, I, right? I, 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 I couldn't tell if you were offering a particular candidate. No, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, John Doe or Mary Rowe. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. I don't want to get the real Mary Rowe if there is one into trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, so what you're basically saying is we need a second special counsel, not for what the Republicans in the House want it for, to investigate the handling of the Hillary Clinton email case, but to investigate Stormy Daniels' uh, claims about getting hush money during the closing days of the campaign. No, no, no. You're extrapolating. Uh, 
I thought that's I what you were saying. We need, we need, we need one. So uh, cease and desist from that. Uh, I'm answering this uh, question of structure. What would happen uh, if Rod Rosenstein reaches, and that's the big if, reaches the determination that this is information that has come to him as the attorney general, the acting attorney general. Uh, and, and by the way, is Jeff Sessions actually recused from this? Probably not. Uh, well, I mean, wasn't, making, wasn't he an official of the campaign? And so therefore, wouldn't he have to be uh, recused? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, he would recuse himself, obviously, because of the so-called Russia connection, whereas this is so separate, distinct. I'm not arguing it one way or the other. I'm just, as in law school, issue spotting and discussing what would be the kinds of things that Rod Rosenstein would probably sit down with the attorney general. He'd take that elevator from the fourth floor to the fifth floor and say, General Sessions, we need to talk. And this is the, the, the issue of the day. But, but just to be clear, you do believe based on what is now publicly known about this payment, that it does need to be investigated by somebody at the Justice Department. No, no, I didn't say it has to be investigated. I think the information has to be considered and assessed. The credibility. Remember, the well, how, issue- how do you do that unless you so begin like an investigation? A, like a preliminary investigation. Yeah, the equivalent of a preliminary investigation, uh, you, uh, that, that's the way these things are, are done uh, on, under uh, at least the old independent counsel model. And, you know, I'd have to go back to the regulations, which you just trigger the regulations and the process internally to gather the information, assess the information, evaluate it. And then what do the regulations require? But 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 to be fair here, Judge, I mean, we know the money was paid. The question is, what was in the mind of Michael Cohen and anybody else he might have discussed this with when he chose to pay off uh, Stormy Daniels? And the only way you could find that out, a preliminary inquiry isn't going to get you there. You've got to get documents. You've got to question people under oath. Well, I, I, I'm not going to do Rod Rosenstein's job, and I'm not going to agree with any conclusion that something, quote, has got to be done, other than you follow the law. The regulations provide the authoritative approach. You trigger those regulations if you think they've been triggered. And that's a judgment call for Rod Rosenstein and or uh, the Attorney General of the United States. I can't put myself in their place. I want to ask. I want to ask this question in a slightly less kind of legalistic way. Uh, sure. You investigated a president um, who uh, uh, was involved in very questionable and and some would say tawdry and immoral conduct, and then uh, lied about it and and covered it up. Um, and so, I, I, just even putting your your you know your uh, role as a former special prosecutor, independent counsel aside, what, what do you think of the, the sort of steady stream of, of accusations against uh, President Trump, you know, from bragging about assaulting women and the Access Hollywood tape to that, you know, that I think it's as many as a dozen or more women coming forward and accusing Trump of groping them. Uh, and, and now multiple women accusing him and people acting on his behalf of trying to buy uh, the, the silence of women he had affair with, and then denying it publicly, and many people think, you know, kind of uh, uh, blatantly lying about it. You were very concerned about the public lies uh, that uh, President Clinton made in the in the Monica Lewinsky context. So, how do you, how troubled are you by uh, by this president's con- uh, uh, similar conduct? 
Well, I think questions of uh, presidential character are always uh, important. They're enduringly uh, important. Uh, and uh, so to say that this is uh, disappointing behavior uh, is to put it, uh, if, if true, it is very, uh, is, is an understatement. It's very uh, upsetting. But that doesn't trigger the law. The reason that we went to the attorney general with respect to the Monica Lewinsky phase of the investigation uh, is because under the information we had, there are serious questions about Monica uh, herself seeking to, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, the, the, the concern we had was subordination of perjury in a civil case. Now, we had uh, four years of background, uh, and I'm not going to characterize anything. Our report, the final report by Robert Ray, stands for itself. But I would just say there were questions throughout the investigation about the credibility of the president and the first lady all along the way. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So against that backdrop and content, we then have someone coming, and we have it then on tape. We immediately had the FBI lab, which is the best in the world, authenticate the tapes. Once we knew that the tapes were real and not made up, we then made a beeline across Pennsylvania Avenue to the Attorney General of the United States. She then assessed the information and she made the determination that there were serious questions. Just read the charge. These were serious felonies. So we're talking about rule of law, possible violations of the federal criminal law, and we're not just, we're not talking about character, presidential character. Um Judge, as you know, uh, the president uh, has had uh, uh, trouble with his legal teams. His top lawyer, John Dowd, just uh, uh, resigned uh, the, the other day or was fired. Uh, he's, had, uh, uh, he's had trouble uh, attracting lawyers. If Donald Trump asked you to join his legal team, would you take the job? <laughs> I've, I've, I've not been asked. And I don't expect to be asked, given uh, the various and sundry things uh, I uh, have uh, have said. Well, he could use a, he he could very well use a good appellate lawyer. <laughs> I think he's got a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, uh, team uh, as it as it stands. So, so is the answer no? You would not feel comfortable uh, representing Donald Trump. Uh, I did not say that. I, I, I said, <laughs> would I you say to, that? Would, would, would you be comfortable representing yeah. Donald Trump? I, I think you guys uh, know me. I, I would uh, uh, listen respectfully and assess the situation. Uh, I do note that, that others have apparently said no. Um, okay. But you'd be willing to entertain the offer. Uh, <laughs> All you're going to get from me is I have great respect for the presidency of the United States, and I would certainly listen with respect uh, to uh, uh, a, 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 a telephone call or whatever that will not come. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um well, Judge, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us today. I mean, just sort of final thoughts here, uh, you know, getting back to where we started uh, with the president's tweets, the attacks on Mueller, uh, the attacks on Mueller's prosecutors, the team he's represented, uh, 
some of his directives through tweeting to the to the Justice Department. You know, as somebody who who served in the Justice Department, um, who understands the independence of the Justice Department and how important it is to the rule of law, something you cherish very much. I mean, you said you're troubled by this, but I mean, does that really capture the depth of what's going on? Uh, It does seem that this is something not just out of the ordinary, but perhaps unprecedented in American history. Yes, I, I think it likely is unprecedented. I certainly hope so, and I hope it's uh, never, uh, uh, shall I say, revived. I hope we don't have the beginning uh, of, a, of, a, of a new uh, tradition, because at the end of the day, we have to uh, live and stand uh, by the rule of law, and these kinds of uh, tweets and attacks and so forth are, are very corrosive of the rule of law and the respect for the rule of law. Uh, I've been very consistent in saying that. So yes, it's troubling, and I and I, and I said it, as I said in the Washington Post, cut it out, Mr. President. But he's not listening to me. Well, we listen to you with great interest, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Skullduggery. My pleasure. Thanks. Good luck, guys. Uh, so Dan, what'd you think? Well, look, I think clearly uh, the news was uh, that um, he talked about um, perhaps the need for a kind of a preliminary inquiry at the Justice Department to investigate the Stormy Daniels case and whether Trump or people uh, on his behalf uh, paid hush money to her. He was careful about it. um, And um, first of all, he said he seemed skeptical that this should be part of um, uh, Bob Mueller's mandate. Um, but he did indicate that this is something that the, that would be legitimate for the Justice Department to look at it, at least right. preliminarily. Right, be- because, and just to be clear, uh, not because of the sexual relations that uh, Stormy Daniels said took place uh, on one occasion, I should point out, um, but uh, because uh, of campaign finance laws, which are very clear that um, uh, the limits uh, are laid out, $2,700 during the last campaign. This was $130,000. If the purpose here was to protect Trump during the campaign and maintain his viability as a candidate for president, uh, it would arguably be a campaign contribution that needed to be disclosed. And depending on the exact source of the money, could well have been illegal. But look, the point is, you know, a a preliminary investigation, that's not going to get you there. We know the money was paid. The only way to take the next step is to begin an actual investigation. Um, And... uh, uh, it's very hard to see who could do that under, if if not Bob Mueller, because it seems to me the conflict of interest provisions in the Justice Department regs would require would, the uh, uh, yeah, would the require appointment of another. That's the question. Would it be an, and then and then the question is: counsel. Is it another special counsel, or do you just let uh, uh, Bob Mueller do it? I think. His view, I think he said, was that Rod Rosenstein, who oversees the Mueller investigation as the uh, deputy attorney general, or for the purposes of that investigation, the acting uh, attorney general, would not give it to Mueller. But he says he doesn't know. Right. And look, I mean, uh, you know, the same question and issues came up when Starr went to the Reno Justice Department to expand his mandate. Uh, The option could have been, and this would have been a call for Eric Holder, the deputy attorney general at the time, uh, do we 
need a new uh, independent counsel for this matter, or do we uh, give it to um, uh, the folks already in place? And that was uh, Starr's team. Um, I would think uh, it would be very difficult to uh, politically to have a new special counsel for this matter. Uh, and uh, there is an overlap with uh, Mueller's uh, uh, with Mueller's investigation. Michael Cohen is a figure uh, in uh, the Mueller investigation. He was the guy setting up one of the Trump Tower Moscow business deals during the campaign. Uh, we know Mueller has uh, subpoenaed documents and asked questions about Trump's business deals in Russia in order to understand the players uh, and the potential motivations. Uh, there's also allegations about Cohen in the Steele dossier. Stone, Cohen has denied them, but um, uh, they remain. Michael um, Cohen is the nexus. Ma- Michael Cohen but there is are the so, nexus. There are so many interesting parallels between uh, Ken Starr's inve- uh, Whitewater slash Monica Lewinsky investigation um, and the Mueller investigation. And one of them he addressed, which is, you know, both of these very distinguished um, lawyers are having to uh, had to or are having to now uh, examine this uh, very tough uh, constitutional question, whether a sitting president uh, can be indicted. And I thought it was interesting that Ken Starr said, yes, his personal belief is that a president is not above the law and can be indicted. In the Mueller case, um, he is a officer of the Justice Department and therefore has to uh, uh, follow Justice Department guidance. Uh, The Justice Department guidance currently is that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Although I have spoken to friends of Mueller's who've said they would not be shocked if uh, if Mueller uh, tested that. Uh, Of course, the courts have not tested that question. Uh, right. Uh, look, uh, uh, just to wrap up, though, uh, I think uh, we should uh, uh, point out that uh, given uh, the role that we and Newsweek played in the whole Lewinsky investigation, uh, in its uh, especially in its early stages, um, it's uh, somewhat noteworthy that uh, we are here today uh, uh, questioning and interviewing Ken Starr. Um, something we didn't actually get to do in those um, uh, You know what? I can't resist asking you to tell one little vignette from the Monica Lewinsky uh, uh, from that moment, uh, which is um, you're running into Ken Starr. Yeah, that is, in fact, the last time I spoke to him. And it was in the... Is that right? Yes. The men's room of the office of the Independent Council in January uh, 1998, 20 years ago, uh, I was there. I had just learned that STARS uh, folks had begun um, uh, their investigation of the Lewinsky matter. This is something we knew exclusively. Uh, They had wired Linda Tripp in order to get uh, Monica Lewinsky on tape talking about uh, uh, the efforts to keep her silent in the Paula Jones sexual harassment lawsuit. I met, uh, went down and met with uh, uh, STARS prosecutors. This is all laid out in uh, in my book, Uncovering Clinton, by the way. Wow, you've plugged two of your books in one podcast. 
podcast. In one podcast. And I've got a third, which was about the Iraq War. I haven't figured out a way to uh, get that in. You just yeah, did. But you just did, It's by called the way. Hubris. That was the second one. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So I'm there, and I just had this incredibly t- intense uh, uh, com- confrontation with Starr's deputies about uh, their uh, launching this investigation into Lewinsky. And I go to take a leak. In the men's room, and there is Ken Starr, as uh, as amiable uh, as kind ever. Kind of a goofy saying, conversation, right? Yeah, Mike Michael Isagoff, good to see you. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are the what are yeah. the more awkward urinal conversations? Yes, yes. Um, this uh, one uh, though was uh, not awkward at all, uh, but it was great to have it. Absolutely. Thanks to Judge Ken Starr for joining us on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave us a review. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.